our brothers and sisters all over the world who are suffering from famine, disease, war, and injustice. We pray for our nation, for our leaders and decision makers, and for unity in areas of division. We pray for our community, our schools, our families and friends, for the issues that hit. You guys are taking a seat if you guys could uh, greet one another. All right, welcome to Victory Point. We're so excited to have you guys here. I'm Ryan. I recently came on staff here at Victory Point, and I'm very excited about that. So um, if, you, if it's your first time here, uh, we have an awesome opportunity for you. Um, if you can see, I got this awesome gift bag. And as I was uh, looking at this bag, this is for all of um, anyone who's new. So all of you first-time visitors, um, if you want to head back to the uh, welcome table back there, you'll get this awesome gift, and it's kind of making me jealous um, about what's in there. Kind of wishing I was new now and not on staff, but it's okay, because it's got a really cool book in here. Um, it's got some other goodies in there as well. And so, um, yeah, so if you're new, please uh, head back there. You'll uh, see some lovely faces back there to uh, uh, welcome you and introduce themselves and uh, hopefully... Uh, connect with you. And uh, the other thing that I would like to do is um, bless the children as they head off to Kids Zone. So if you are a child who's headed off to Kids Zone, if you could stand up so we could bless you. So if you could, uh, with me, extend a hand uh, to a child near you uh, and bow your heads with me. Triune God, we thank you for the blessing of these children, the present and future of your church. In Isaiah, it says that the children shall be taught by the Lord, and a great peace shall be theirs. May you watch over them, Lord, reveal your good news to them, and fill them with your spirit. Bless them as they are a blessing to us. Remind them of who they are and whose they are, children of the Most High. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is it's dangerous walking up here at this moment. I too am excited about this gift bag. I noticed there was candy in here. Not everyone has candy anymore though, because I was checking them all out and sampling things and things like that. But yeah, seriously, if, if you're new to Victory Point, stop by the welcome table afterwards. We'd love to bless you with that. Um, yeah, and, and Ryan... Uh, you guys know Ryan, like he's back with us. Ryan is in his second year at Western Seminary, and uh, last year he was just Ryan the intern, and uh, this year we've decided like to upgrade that, so he's a pastoral resident from Western Seminary, and uh, we've actually hired him for a few hours a week. He's going to lead out in different ways here, and uh, you know, I'm excited to share too that uh, we've hired Jill Fisher to help out in our Kid Zone Children's Ministry uh, during this season to provide some leadership there, and we, we have Ruben up and running in our student ministry providing some leadership, uh, some staff leadership during this season, so if, if you didn't uh, get the e-news this week or 
Maybe you got it but didn't read what I put in there about new staffing. I'd encourage you to go check that out, and that'll give you all the info. Um, but I'm just really excited to have these guys helping out on our team and uh, helping lead out, you know, and lead with us uh, into our vision and our mission here at Victory Point. So anyway, um, called out. Called out. We are in this series, and uh, today we conclude our called out series that we began five weeks ago. And uh, we, we started, I don't know if you were here, back on September 9, Brendan kicked us off, and we talked about first things first. If we're going to talk about calling, we have to talk about first things first. And here's first things first. All Christians are called. All Christians. Everybody who names Jesus as Savior and Lord has a calling. You are called by God. With covenant relationship comes kingdom responsibility. Okay, And that kingdom responsibility is to partner with and to represent the king, to, to, to partner with him in incarnating and bringing the kingdom of God everywhere on earth as it is in heaven. Our calling is to love God, love people, make disciples. That is your calling. That's my calling. Love God, love people, make disciples. That is our vocation. Regardless of your occupation, your vocation is to live into this calling to love God, love people, and make disciples. You, just like me, are in full-time ministry. We all go to different contexts every day, but everyone is in full-time ministry. Life is mission, mission is life. And over the past five weeks, we've been all over the place, like talking about calling. We've looked at calling from all these different angles. We've looked at all these examples of calling in the scripture. Here's just some of the places we've been in this series. Remember, we looked at the creation story. We looked at the creation story, and we looked at God creating Adam and Eve in his image and calling them or commissioning them to rule and reign in his kingdom. We referenced Abraham's calling, that that Abraham was called and blessed by God to be a blessing, that through him and through the nation that he would become, God would bless the entire world. We looked at Moses' calling, and we looked at that encounter he had with the burning bush and, and God's calling to him. You know, we, we've, there's, a, there's probably the most famous calling of all, right? The, the, those 10 words that you find Jesus proclaiming in the New Testament, you know, where he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That is like the calling. That is the calling to all disciples. And last week, Brendan did a brilliant job of just tracing the journey of the disciples with Jesus in those early days of Jesus preparing the disciples to live out that calling, to live out that calling to be fishers of of men and women across the entire landscape. And uh, we've been all over the place in this calling. God just has this habit, doesn't he? of calling out ordinary people into extraordinary things. That's just God's MO. That's, that's God's plan. That's his plan for bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Is he's going to work through ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And he hasn't stopped. That's still how he works. And over the course of the last five weeks, we've, we've looked at all these different dimensions of calling, haven't we? We've looked at the upward, inward, and outward dimensions of calling. We started by looking at the upward dimension. And we looked at that story on Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and, and Moses. And we, we, we came to this understanding that this is way bigger than, than God giving some rules to people. This was a wedding ceremony. This was God inviting 
Israel to be his bride, to enter into covenant relationship with him. The Ten Commandments are like the wedding vows. Here's how you're to live as, as my bride. Here's how you're to be, um, and here's how you're to represent me in this world. That, that we're, that that's our identity. There's an upward identity to our calling, that we are a priesthood of believers, that's no small thing. We are a priesthood of believers. We, we are to put God on display with our lives. We're to be living billboards to the, to the most high God, the way we live our lives. There's, a, there's this identity to our calling. It's no small thing. And then we looked at the inward dimension of our calling. Really simply, don't go alone. That's God's desire. Don't go alone. Whatever it is he's called you to do, whatever specific calling maybe he's given you, you're not to do it alone. You are made in the image of a triune God, a God who exists in community all the time of Father, Son, and Spirit orbiting around each other, you know, um, blessing each other, pouring into each other, being for each other. They, they do things together and we're made in that image. So when, when we go on mission, when we live into our calling, we don't do it alone. Jesus was a perfect picture of that, wasn't he? He's the son of God. But before he started his, you know, really living into his public ministry, his calling, he invited others to join him. He, he invited, he created spiritual family. He invited 12 ordinary guys to join him on the mission. We don't go alone. Even when he sent them out, it was always a minimum of two. And then there's this outward dimension of our calling. Eventually, calling takes us out. We're called out. It takes us out. We have to get out of the boat. We have to eventually get out of the boat and step onto the water or step onto the shore and interact with a lost and broken world. God's heartbeat is always for those who are outside of his family. His heartbeat is always towards those who, who are outside of, of understanding his love and his grace. That's his heartbeat. And we're gonna see that, you know, um, very powerfully in the story we're gonna look at today. Today's story of calling, we sort of begin to move out now from first things first to now next things. Okay, I'm, I'm called to love God, love people, make disciples. That's my general calling. Wherever I am, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, that's my calling. But sometimes God, he, he leverages a specific calling to a specific place or person or people or household. And that's what we're gonna look at today. Like, what do we do when that happens? How do we know when God's calling us to a specific calling and, and how do we respond? Um, so with that in mind, let me pray and we're gonna dive in. Father, thank you for this moment in time, for these people gathered together in this space. We'll never get this moment again with these exact people at this exact moment. And you've, you've had this moment in mind way before we have. And I believe you have, you have something you want to do in this moment. So we're gonna open up this book, this beloved book. And we're gonna read the written word. Um, and we're asking this morning that the living word, the spirit of Jesus, who embodies us, who indwells us, would illuminate and open our eyes to what it is that you wanna speak to us personally and as a church this morning. May that be so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to the book of Acts. Okay, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 10. Um, it's a big chunk of passage, so I didn't put it on the screen. So um, you can read along in your Bible or on your device if you'd like, or you can just listen 
Just listen to the word. But we're in, we're in the book of Acts. Um, a lot of you probably understand what the book of Acts is. It's the Acts of the Apostle. Um, let me just catch us up to speed what's happened in the book of Acts up to chapter 10. Jesus has obviously, right at the beginning of the book of Acts, he's returned to the Father. He's, he's back in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And uh, then um, the disciples, like there's really just like 120 that have gathered, you know, and uh, like Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit is, is poured out on everybody in power. And uh, Peter stands up to preach, right? And then um, you read these stories and Peter goes on to, to heal a crippled beggar. And then he and John are before the Sanhedrin. And then, um, you know, you get to things like uh, Stephen being martyred. And then you have Saul who becomes Paul, you know, his conversion in Acts chapter 9, which brings us up to Acts chapter 10. Now, just before Acts chapter 10, we get back to Peter again, and it gives us, you know, Luke, the writer of Acts, gives us a glimpse of what Peter's been up to. And uh, Peter, uh, here's what Peter has just done right before today's story. He has healed a paralyzed man, and he has raised a woman from the dead. I mean, He's raised a woman from the dead. Her name was Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. And uh, she was a very kind woman. And uh, she would make coats for, you know, people and children who needed coats and garments. And she had died. And uh, Peter visits and he goes up to where Tabitha is or Dorcas is. And he tells her to, to get up. And she does. Isn't that amazing? Peter's just raised someone from the dead. That's awesome. That's where we're at right now at this moment. And he's kind of hung around there then. He's hung around there and he's staying with a guy named Simon who is a tanner, okay? And, and he lives by the, by the seashore. So that's what happens. And just one more little note before we get into this. You're gonna meet a man named Cornelius. Okay, now Cornelius, he's a Roman army officer, okay? That means he's a Gentile. And you just need to be reminded as we get into this story that Jews and Gentiles, like, they're not friends, okay? They, they, they don't get along. Um, Jews, up to this point, kind of take really seriously that they are God's people. They are God's special possession. And they see themselves, you know, consequently as clean and everybody else as unclean. I mean, there, there was even laws that, that Jews had to not enter the house of a Gentile or to eat food with a Gentile. I mean, it, it, you know, at some for some people, it was probably just at a generic level, but for, for some, like this was serious. The, the, the Gentiles, especially a Roman officer, that's your enemy. Rome is oppressing God's people. Rome is the, the people who are making life bad for the Jews. And, and, and so there's not a good feeling between the Jews and, and the Gentiles, especially the Romans. That's good to understand as we read this story. So I'm just gonna begin in Acts 10. And I'm just, I'm gonna read the first 23 verses, okay? Just receive this story. It's an amazing story. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. And by the way, just, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, in case you're at a different translation. Um, so in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor. He prayed regularly to God. So one afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared in him at 
in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened and he sent them off to Joppa. The next day, okay? The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon. He was hungry. And while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. Then listen to this. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Come back to that. That's a powerful statement. Do not call anything unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up back into heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, some men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over this vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come to look for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I've sent them. So Peter went down and he said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he could hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. And the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. And if we're not going to read the rest of the story, but if you were to keep reading, what you would find is, uh, so Peter goes with these guys. They go back to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, meanwhile, has gathered his whole household together. And uh, Peter and Cornelius start talking and they start sharing about these visions each of them had. And they get all excited like, whoa, like I had this vision and you had that vision. And Peter, like it dawns on him, like, like God, God has sent me to you. You know, God, God is beginning something new. He, he's crossing over, you know, into the Gentiles. And, and so Peter shares the, the good news of Jesus. And he shares about Jesus' death and resurrection. And Cornelius and all his household receive this good news, believe this good news. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them as a sign. Um, and, and then they're baptized. So this amazing result from, from these two visions kind of playing together, you know, into this moment in time. And, uh, you know, th- this isn't the point of the message, but I, I, I need to, I, I feel like it would be wrong to just dismiss this one particular verse. Um, so I just want to do a little side note here. Um, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. I, I just want to invite us and challenge us, like, to, to maybe take a moment, you know, before we leave here this morning and just do some soul searching like, man, even subconsciously, is there people in my life that I have sort of 
written off or I have declared or decided that, you know, um, they're outside of God or, you know, they're, they, they're unreachable, you know, like, I just think it's worth like allowing the Holy Spirit to, to convict us on that a little bit this morning. I know it's been convicting for me this week. You know, like, um, yeah, I believe, you know, Jesus, his love and his grace is for everybody, but do I live that way? Do I really like act on that? Do I really like take steps if, in that belief? Or, or maybe like, I'm just wondering, I just had this sense that maybe there's some people here this morning that like, you look in the mirror and what you see is unclean. Because all you're thinking about is, is all your failures and, and your, your shame and guilt. And, and you've decided that I'm, I'm unclean, I'm out of reach. And, and the, you need to hear the good news that Jesus Christ cleans you. Je- Jesus, his grace is for you. It covers you. And we need to start seeing ourselves the way God sees us versus the way we see us. And God sees us as redeemed and and cleansed and forgiven. And sometimes the hardest people for us to view that way is ourselves. So I just wanted to like just pause there for a second because I think there's power in this statement. What God has made clean, don't you dare call unclean and treat accordingly. Okay, but that's not the, the, where we're going in this message. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Now, now I'm coming back because what we're looking at this morning is, is like this call that, that Peter received. Okay, the, the, how did Peter discern like what to do? Like God is speaking very specifically to him. And I want to pay attention to, to how this happened for Peter. Because in Acts chapter 10, we have this story of a disciple getting a specific specific call from God to go to a specific place and minister to a specific person in household. How do these kind of callings come? And how do we respond? Well, let's just make some observations from this story. When did this calling come to Peter? Well, when he was praying. Don't discount or miss that. It was when he was praying when the call of God came upon him. Actually, it's actually what happened to Cornelius too, right? It says Cornelius prayed regularly. And one time when he was praying, he had this, this, this vision of an angel talking to him. Peter was up on the rooftop at noon praying. And, and he had this vision. He kind of went into this trance and this, this vision came to him. Prayer. You have to start with prayer. If you want to discern God's specific calling, you want to move on from first things into next things, we need to be people of prayer. We need to start with prayer. Prayer. We need to pray regularly. Peter prayed regularly. I got to believe that like, this wasn't just a random thing that at noon Peter's up on the roof praying. I'm wondering if this was a habit, if this was a predictable pattern in Peter's life of prayer. So he's up on the rooftop praying and he has this crazy vision of this blanket, this sheet being brought down three different times with all this food on it. And he's perplexed. It says that word. He's perplexed and he's puzzled. You know, and he's probably wondering, this is what I would do. He's probably wondering like, is this because I'm hungry? Like, you know, don't, don't you have that? Like, like, you know, it's noon, it says. He's hungry and they're preparing a meal. So he's probably smelling this food. Like, is this... Is this my stomach speaking to me? I mean, don't you have that sometimes? Like, like whenever I go like grocery shopping, which isn't often, but sometimes, I know, I said which isn't often, but um, 
But sometimes I get texted a list of things to get at the grocery store and I'm told strictly only these things. And so I'm, I'm going to the grocery store, but I'm starving and I, I have these three things. And somehow I get up to the checkout counter and there's 12 things, you know, doesn't that happen? And you wonder like, why did the, I'm, I'm puzzled, I'm perplexed. I don't know how this happened. Okay. Peter's probably going through that. Um, so he's praying, he has this vision, he's puzzled, he's perplexed, and then the spirit speaks to him. The spirit gives him a word like, no, th- this is legit. And this is what I want you to do. There's some people coming. And then these people come, which is almost like affirmation of the vision, affirmation of the calling. Um, God, God is very capable of giving us a calling and then affirming it through the body, affirming it through other people. And uh, that's what happens for Peter. And, and so then the most important thing he does is he, he steps into it. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what God's necessarily up to at this moment, but he takes a step of obedience. He goes. He has a sense of a specific calling through prayer. It's confirmed through the Spirit and through other people, and so he takes a step into it. And that's, it's as simple as that. that. That's as simple as that. And as I was thinking about that, as I was thinking, you know, because if we miss that last step, if we don't step out into it, you know, it may be just our stomach talking, but if we don't step into it, we risk missing something God is up to. And so the, the best course of action is always to take a step into it and discern and discover, see what God's up to. And as I thought about this, and I thought about this, this process of discernment, and how do you discern a specific calling, and um, I, I immediately thought of a story here in this family. You know, I, I thought of my friend Matt Crozier, my buddy. He's also one of our elders, and he and his wife Renee, I'm going to invite Matt to come on up here. Um, they they, uh, they discerned a very specific calling, just, just specific like Peter had recently in their lives. And I've asked him to maybe just take a few minutes and share, what was that calling that you guys received? Yeah, we need that microphone, Ryan. What was that call? I'm going to ask him to share, like, what's the calling that you guys received, this specific calling? Um, it's got a red light. Is that okay? Okay. I'm just going to give it to you. I don't know if it's test see if it's on. Yeah. Um, what's the calling? What's the calling God gave to you? What did you do to process it, to discern it? And then what have you learned since? What have you learned out of that? Okay. And, uh, so I'm just going to turn it over to him for a few minutes to share that. So can you guys welcome Matt Crozier up here? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Yep. Get my stuff out of your way. I know. The pulpit is yours. Okay. So the first thing that, uh, that happened with us, with my wife and I, it happened with me first. I, hey, I, Curl, I just, hold, hold it up really close. Yeah. I just felt the Lord uh, laying it on my heart, and there were three things that he said. Um, he said to pray with your wife constantly, debt. And I want you in my word constantly. I want you to know it front to back so that every confrontation and every conversation that you come in contact with will be biblically sound. So those were the three things. So automatically I go to my wife and I'm like, well, you know, how are we going to handle this? You know, and we we discussed it a little bit and we decided to bring uh, persons of peace into our lives um, to pray for us. Uh, throughout this uh, situation, and I think we prayed for like 40 days, I think it was, uh, and uh, throughout all that, man, we just got all kinds of great 
confirmation on uh, what we were feeling and, and, and everything that was, uh, that was going through our minds. But my first reaction was, man, we just built this house. If we sold this and just got, and we could eliminate debt and put money in our pocket and, uh, and then just be, be done. And then we're there. That's it, you know. So that was my first gut reaction from the flesh was to do that. So, I mean, we went as far as, like, I think Renee had several or at least a couple of interviews in other states uh, for medical jobs. And I was in contact with, uh, with different schools, Bible schools, you know, like, hey, let's, let's hammer this out. Let's go. Let's do it, you know. But... Um, I don't believe that the Lord slams doors or closes doors. I believe rather he took the rudder of the ship like we had our sights set north and, and he just shifts that, that rudder a little bit and heads us that way. Um, because after we met with the realtor, it, it just if God wants it to happen, there's going to be nothing, no obstacles that are going to come in between us. You know. So when we, when we met with the realtor, it was very uh, like disturbing a little bit like what no you know that can't be you know we got in so anyway we took that as a as a shift in that rudder um of the of the ship um but it was just an amazing experience for us to walk that um and the most important I mean I think the coolest thing that came out of the whole thing was that my wife and I pray constantly every day together because the Lord said I want you to hold hands, and I want you to pray. And we weren't specific. We just prayed for his will. We thanked him for his love and his grace. Every day we do that. And uh, that, to me, is, is truly amazing to have something like that happen in our lives. And uh, the word of God, you know, like Matt was saying, the spirit, there's a couple uh, pieces of scripture that I want you to chew on for a little bit because this is what... This is what really fired it up for me um, in this whole thing. i got to find it, though, so bear with me. Because I don't, I don't, uh, right here, I don't uh, journal. I'm not a journaling man, okay? I don't write anything down, and you can look over on our table. There's a book. That's full of journaling stuff. So the Lord has just been unleashing this stuff in me. And, and as I read through the scripture, and I only read, you know, like a, a chapter a day. I mean, it's not even that much. You know, it doesn't seem like, but it seem, you can see my Bible. It seems like it's all just, you know, crazy with all kinds of writings on it and stuff like that. And I love it. But there, it, I think, and this is going to be touchy because, and that's okay. Because I think that when Matt was speaking about the Spirit, I think we need to learn to discern what the Spirit is saying. And, and the, God called us to be led by the Spirit. Because he was with the disciples, he died, ascended into heaven, and gave us the, 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 the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we're given the, the great comforter at that point in time. So, with that being said... Uh, like in 1 Corinthians uh, 3.10, it says, because of, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. 
No, other built, no others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. <clears throat> For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have in Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, hay, wood, straw. <clears throat> but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if that person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. And here's what, here's what just floored me. The builder will be saved. So we're, us as Christians, maybe I should have taken that face thing. Us as Christians, we, uh, we profess our faith. We say that Jesus is our Savior. And, and you know, a lot of us think that we're just going to walk around like that, and that's good enough. You know, and I see that every day, like in my work environment and everywhere else. That, but there's so much more to it because at the end of this, it says the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So then I thought about that. I thought, well, I don't want to walk into heaven looking like a chunk of bacon, right? We got things to do here on earth, and 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 we need to we need to and. and so if you, if you look at the Spirit as, um, like I was thinking about this the other day, as like a muscle, right? Um, if you, like, if, if we come to church and this is the only day we eat food the whole week, we're not going to survive. We have to be in God's Word every day. Every day we have to be in God's Word. That's when the food of the, that's when the Spirit gets fed is through this. So the more we read this, the more the Spirit is fed. The more the Spirit is fed, the more we are led. The more, then, then the Spirit begins to speak to us, right? So, you know, that's what I got from it. And I got one other passage, too, and this is from Jesus. Um, this is Revelations 3.15. It's in red in my Bible, so it's from Jesus. He says, I know all things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I, I wish you were either or. Like either you, you say you're a Christian, do Christian, you know, either or. You can't dabble in both lives. And I, I mean, and that was my biggest struggle as an addict was dabbling in both lives. You just can't do that and expect to hear what God's path is for you and what he wants for you. So I wish, you were, uh, I wish you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And, you know, I don't know what that says to you. I don't know if you go home today and you meditate on that stuff. Um, but for me, you know, we got to be all in. That's what I wrote in my journal. We got to be all in. We can't be lukewarm. We have to be one or the other. And uh, that's when the Lord is going to um, reveal things to you. That's when the Lord is going to give you gifts of healing, of answered prayers. You have to be all in. And, uh, man, that's, that was just revolutionary for us. I mean, it was, I don't, I don't know what else to say, but that's it.
That's awesome. Thanks, brother. I tell you, this guy like pumps me up. He fuels me. He's like uh, soul fuel. He had a couple of tweetable quotes there, like the bacon thing, and and, and the more the, the more we the, the spirit is fed, the more we're led. I love that, I, and I think you guys embody that, and I think you guys are living that. It's just been fun to to watch the journey that you guys are on. Um, and the reason I asked him to share is because like he, he's just an everyday guy. I mean, in, in Renee's an everyday woman. Um, I mean, he works at the gas company, right? Like he works for Semco, drives a van around. He's just an everyday guy. And that's who God loves to work through. God always works through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I think it's a mistake that we get, that we make sometimes as we look at these stories, even like the story I read of, of Peter, and we think, well, those are exceptional people. Those are like superheroes of the faith. No, they're not. They're everyday people. He was a fisherman. You can't be more ordinary than being a fisherman. All he did was decided to like step into this invitation to follow Jesus. And he started following Jesus around. And he started to, to try to be like Jesus and do the things Jesus did. Remember that cool moment like uh, a- after Pentecost and, and Peter, Peter heals the crippled man and he and John are in front of the council, the Sanhedrin. And they determine like, These are just ordinary men who've been with Jesus. That's all it takes. That's the only requirement. Be an ordinary person who spends time with Jesus and God will call you to extraordinary things. God, you know, laid it upon, you know, Matt and Renee's heart, you know, um, to get into my word, you know, and, and so they began to like play with this specific calling. Like, okay, what does that look like? Could be this, could be that. I don't know. I'm kind of puzzled, kind of perplexed. We're going to put some things in motion here. We're going to pray every day for 40 days as husband and wife. We're going to invite friends and family for those 40 days to also pray with us, pray for us, to listen on our behalf. And And if God gives them a word, a vision, you know, just like Cornelius and Peter had like affirming visions and experiences, like they invited people to share those with them. And they even like, like laid it all on the table. Like if this means like maybe selling our house, so be it. If this means moving, so be it. And they went through this journey and then right at the end got some clarity. Like, no, it's not time yet to sell our house, but here's, the, here's what God has for us right now. And they're living into that and they're, they're just living that out every day. And we can do stuff like that. We can have stories like that. that that's the story I see of Peter in Acts chapter 10 that, that we read. Peter's an ordinary, everyday person who spent time with Jesus and continues to spend time with Jesus in prayer. He's just an everyday guy living out his everyday calling that we all have to love God, love people, and make disciples. He's just going about his business, loving God, loving people, making disciples. He's spending daily time in prayer. And when you begin to do those kinds of things, be ready Be careful and be prepared because God's going to begin to speak even more specifically to you, just like, you know, we heard. And 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 he's going to give you maybe specific callings to go to a specific person or specific place or specific household because he's up to something and he he needs you. And uh, we, we need to pay attention to that. So I just, I ask, like, what about you? What about us as a church? What is God calling us to? As you think back on this series and, and just the journey into understanding calling, like what's stirring you? What, what's nudging you? What, what's getting your attention? 
I, I invite you and encourage you to pay attention to that. To whom in the world is God sending you? And in the world could mean across the street, across the hallway, could mean like across the lunchroom, you know, could mean across the city, across the state, nation, or, or world, you know, but, but who, who in the world is God sending you to? Not just generally, but specifically. You know, if you're trying to discern that and determine that, I would invite you, like we, we've, we've put, this out, put this out there all series, maybe consider taking a whack at the, the calling lab. You know, it's just a, 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 like a six-week kind of experience where you can sign up for it online at that website right there. And uh, you'll get some emails um, probably four times a week in the morning and they'll give you some scripture to read, some questions to reflect on, maybe a video to watch, a chance to interact, just to help you dial in what specifically is God calling me to in this season of my life, in this particular context in which I find myself. It's a resource. It'll be there beyond this series. When you're ready, step into this. See what happens. Take a swing. Um, it, it, at the worst case scenario, you'll read scripture. And, and, and you'll have great conversations. But I, I got to believe that, that God might, you know, maybe use something in that to, to open your eyes to something he's up to in your life. What's your prayer life like? What's your, your scripture reading life like? As, as Crozier, you know, powerfully just declared, like, apart from those things, it's going to be hard to hear from the Lord. Are you in the word? Are you praying? You know, uh, we're going to start a series next week called The Circle Maker. And uh, it's based on a book by Mark Batterson called The Circle Maker. And it's about praying circles around your biggest dreams and your greatest fears. And I'm excited about this. Um, Pete's going to be with us next week and uh, he's going to help launch this for us. And uh, if you want to read along, there's a book that goes along with this series. It's called The Circle Maker. And we have a couple dozen copies at the info desk. And uh, if you'd like to buy one for $10, um, that's cheaper than what you can get it on Amazon. Um, I'd encourage you to to pick one up and read along during this series. There's going to be a, it's going to culminate in a cool kind of 24-hour prayer room we're going to put together, you know. But, But what are the dreams? What are the callings maybe God's been stirring in you in this series? What would it look like to start praying circles around those? Like, like Crozier and Renee did, you know, for 40 days, like to begin circling that in prayer and seeing where God takes you. Um, that's that's going to be cool. I'm excited about that. But just pray, seek confirmation and affirmation, but then take a step. What is that step for you? What, what, what is God inviting you to, where is he inviting you to step out of the boat and to take a step towards, you know, a Cornelius? or someone in your life that maybe needs to connect the dots of, of who Jesus is and the good news of, of you know, his, his life, death, and resurrection and what it can mean for them. Like, where's God calling you to take a step? At some point, we gotta get out of the boat. At some point, we need to do something. I always think of the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, a lot of us know this parable where, where the master you know, gives one talent two talents, five talents to his servants and then he goes away for a while. Then he comes back and asks for them to give an accounting. Like, what'd you do? What'd you do with what I gave you? And, and you know how the story goes. You know, the, the one who was given five and the one who was given two, they, they did something with it and they doubled them. And, uh, you know, the words that they hear are, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And then there's the, the, the guy with the one talent, right? Um, 
he's kind of fearful of his master. So what he does is he buries the talent. He, 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 he buries it. He doesn't do anything with it. So that when the master comes back, he can return it to the master. The master wasn't interested in getting his talent back. He was interested in like what you did with it, what you produced with it. And I, I, I just, I don't know if this is scriptural, but I, I really believe that, um, you know how like in Hebrews it says, you know, that w- without faith, it's impossible to please God. I think the reverse is true too, that with faith, it's impossible to displease God. Like if you just, whatever God's given you, whatever he's calling you to do, big or small, if you just step out with faith, you, I, I think you'll please your master. Because he's just looking for people like to, to get out of the boat, to, to, to step into it, to, to go with the guys to Cornelius' house, you know, to, to, to believe that maybe like that God is up to something and I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to get out of the boat. Like, what is it for you? What is it for you? Here's the good news. Whatever it is, big or small, whatever it is God's calling you out to do, God's already there. The presence of God is already where you're going. So you already have an ally, an accomplice, wherever that is. So no fear. Have faith. Take a step. I'm going to invite the band forward. And uh, we're going we're to close our time this morning um, with some song and with a time of communion. But as, as they come forward, and uh, maybe you could play a little music for us, Brendan. Um, I just want to do what I think is important to do every Sunday before we leave. And that is to pause and to listen and to reflect and just ask these two questions. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me specifically right now? Where are you calling me? Who, who are the, you know, do, do, I need to, do I need to work on like, this unclean, clean thing? Do I, do I need to clean that up in my life? Um, Lord, what, what's the blanket you're lowering in front of my eyes today? What, what's the sheet you're lowering down? What, what is it you're asking me to do? I mean, just take a second before we leave, quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and just ask the question, God, what are you saying to me? Let's do that And then one more question, you know what it is. In light of what God is saying to you, what's one step you can take on that, into that, out of that, today, this week? God, what are you saying to me? 
and let's identify one thing we're going to do about it. And I'm always a big fan of if and when that emerges for you, write it down. Share it with someone. Ask them to keep you accountable to that. I think that's how we grow as disciples. All right, we're going to conclude our time together with a meal. With a meal together. You know, as you think about the ways that Jesus lived out his calling, the way that he was called out into the world, one of the significant ways he lived out his calling was by simply having a meal with people. He had meals with people. That's what he did. I remember reading a book a few years ago titled A Meal with Jesus. And it traces all the different times Jesus had meals with people. And all the different times he used the metaphor of a meal when he was sharing parables and teaching about his kingdom. Jesus ate with everyone, right? He ate with everyone. Think about the tables that he shared in the Gospels. Sometimes, you know, there would be religious leaders and a prostitute at the table. Sometimes there would be like friends and enemies. Because I think Jesus understood there's something about a meal that forces us to put down our weapons to grab bread. Jesus had lots and lots of meals with people. And we're going to have a meal together before we go. So I'm going to invite those who are helping serve communion this morning to come on up and to grab the elements and to spread out up front here. And as they do that, I want to I read this little episode from Luke 22. Luke 22. It's right before Jesus was arrested and beaten and crucified. He had a meal. He had a meal with his disciples. And, and Luke writes about it this way, Luke 22. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, listen to this. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus was really looking forward to this meal with his disciples. He said, for I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. He said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, just like the bread we have in front of us. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples gathered at the meal with them. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after the supper, says he took the cup And he he held it up in front of his disciples. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So this morning, before we leave, we're going to participate in this holy, sacred, special meal that Jesus has given to all of his disciples since that day to remember him by. So I invite all of us this morning to the table of our Lord. It's a table of grace. And the one who calls you and who calls you out, he, he is offering us bread for the journey today. As we move out of here this morning into our calling, into the world, 
Here's some bread for the journey. So the way we do it at Victory Point 